Malachi chapter 4. You know, I've, I bought it back, but, you know, just once again, since it's always a week since the time before, and for anyone that, you know, that is just turning in and watching or listening to us, going through Malachi, we see this is the last book of the New Testament. God would not send a prophet, would not, we would not have a word from the Lord for over 400 years until the coming of John the Baptist, who, if you remember, you know, Mike, Mike, you know, brings up a good point, but when John the Baptist came, he was the last Old Testament prophet. Because until Jesus, right, laid down his life to be our perfect and final sacrifice, right, and rose again, and that began the age of the church, right? But John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet. But Malachi was the last words the Lord gives to us for over 400 years. And it's really important to imagine these were a people that considered themselves people of God, called themselves people of God, went by his name, but were very estranged from him. You know, we see from the very start, they, they, they didn't understand, they didn't really believe that the Lord loved them any differently, looked upon them any differently than anyone else. They, they felt that he hadn't shown their love, right? And, and we, we talked about it, but you go through that, you know, they had, you know, earlier, right, they had been returned from exile, and they weren't prospering. Of course, the reason they weren't prospering is because they were gravely sinning, and they had turned their back on God and despised his sacrifices, despised his ceremonies, despised his holiness, right, were were marrying idolaters, were divorcing their wives, were just dealing treacherously with one another and keeping back their tithes and offerings. Just over and over in many ways, the Lord pointed out specific things that they're doing. But we know when they're doing those, right? There's always others. But in time and again, they said, what do you mean? You know, they, they saw themselves... As a lot of people do nowadays, you hear that, you know, people are basically good. They consider themselves God's people. And then they complain, we talk about it, says, well, the proud are lifted up. The wicked are doing great. Where's the God of judgment? Where is your judgment, Lord? And then he tells them at the start of chapter 3, oh, my judgment is coming. And I'll refine some, but for others, right, for the wicked, for the unbelieving, for the immoral, it'll be a day a day of darkness. It'll be it will not be a good day at all. And trying to refine up to them, who do you think you are? But as I talked last time when we got into chapter four, made a point of his people. A good sign to examine ourselves is you notice throughout the Old and New Testament, a characteristic of his people were that they feared the Lord. They revered his name. They, they considered his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, his almighty power. His, they just considered God, and they were in awe of him. Right? And they, they, they served him that right, right. Not perfect people. No one's perfect, right? We know that from Romans, right? There has never been no one righteous. Only Jesus Christ has been righteous. If there could have been a truly righteous man who never sinned, who never committed sin, never had any sin, well, he could have been the sacrifice, right? It had to be the Son of God. But, right, that, but that was the main thing, right? They feared God, and when they sinned, right, they, they repented, and they fell for it. And that was what the sacrificial system was set up for. And they had despised, they despised the sacrificial system. We talked about that. And when we realized how how important that was and how, how much that grieved the Lord. That's what he set in place for them to still be able to come before him in that, you know, to be cleansed, you know, temporarily of their sins of the sacrificial system. And they, they despised it. But, and I also mentioned, we have to realize God calls his people, he always has, to righteous to righteousness. 
difference is he had he always called them to righteousness, and he set up the sacrificial system, you know, showing a type of Christ, right, that, you know, there had to be a sacrifice for sin, and that's what the sacrificial system was for, but that it did not once and for all cover your sins and make you right before God. The coming of Christ did. So now the final sacrifice has been paid. It is finished. But as we look at that, he still, as in the old, calls his people to be righteous. And his people will fear his name. But uh, those of you that were here last week or what I just said, is there any questions or comments? Alrighty then. Let's just start. I want to just read chapter 4. It's, it's real short. We just got six verses here. <clears throat> Let's start in Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Another thing, right, just utter, utter destruction, right? You take a tree, and you go back to the Old Testament and look, right? You destroy its branches, you destroy it above, you destroy its root below. It's utterly destroyed, completely. Verse 2, but unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Right? And I, I, I touched on that last week. Right, so that day is coming. We know the day is going to come when the Lord returns. That's what he's talking there. And when he returns the second time, right, it will be to reward his servants, to bring us our final salvation, to bring everyone that, that he hasn't called home yet to himself, right, bring final salvation, and we'll be glorified. But it is going to be a day Right, that all the unrighteous, all the wicked, all the unbelieving will be burnt up. Right, that leave them another root in our branch. And we know in the end, right, that's from Revelation that's referring to in the very end, at the last judgment, all not written in the book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire. And we get that idea, but at the end of that, right, we shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, like when calves are penned in, but when they're let out. And they jump around and they're, they're full of joy. But just imagine we'll have that to where now we're surrounded by wickedness. And we're oppressed by w- the wickedness around us and evil around us. The Lord's going to come. He'll set up his kingdom in that. We'll, it'll be joyous, right? And th- that, that will no, no, longer, no longer be an issue. Verse 3, And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, some translation, the day I do this, in the day I prepare this, you know, in the day I have prepared, in the day I create, right? So the Lord's in complete control. He's already picked a day from long ago when this is going to come about. Verse, Verse 4, remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Okay. A couple things about that. Uh, Obviously, when he's talking again, about remember ye the law of Moses, my servant. Remember, he's talking again about it's 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 a dual prophecy, right? He says, "Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant." And in verse five, behold, I'll send send you Elijah. Before that, go back to chapter three, verse one. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts, but who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. 
And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering to Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. So, right, it'll be salvation for some. It'll be a refining for some. It'll be a cleansing, right? And we can take that for ourselves, too. This is for all in Christ, right? When we come to him, right, we're cleansed. We're, you know, we'll be refined. But, verse 5, and I'll come near to you to judgment. And I'll be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against false swearers, against those that oppress the hireling as wages, the widow and the fatherless, that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, says the Lord of the host. There's that fear thing again, right? Because, right, people that are not his, they do not fear him. They do not fear him. But it's interesting somehow just who was, who is this Elijah? Well, Elijah is John the Baptist. We looked at just like in chapter 3, we looked at that. Right? It was definitely John the Baptist. How do we know that Elijah is John the Baptist? Well, let's look at the New Testament first. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to be reading a you know, good amount of scripture here, but that's always good, right? Let's let the scriptures interpret themselves. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 3 of Matthew. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. That, that was the garb of a prophet, of Old Testament prophets. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Now these are people, right? This is preparing the way of the Lord's first coming. Right? So obviously he was preaching repentance and these people were convicted and they were confessing their sins. <clears throat> but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism... He said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And then those people saying, Oh, you should never, you know, you never ever call someone a mean name or anything. Well, in, in reference to ungodliness, yeah, that's, that's just fine. <clears throat> flee from the wrath to come. Verse 8, Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. Now, I want to make a comment on that. When we read that word repentance, we need to realize there's two meanings for it. Yes, one... Yes, it means a change of mind, a turning from one, one way to another. It also means because of that change of mind, because of that turn of heart, you're now doing something differently. So when we read it in the context of the Bible, it's always in reference to, right, one, you, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So... You believe on that. From whatever else you're doing, you realize you can only be saved through trusting in his sacrifice, right? But also that, okay, you're going to turn from sin, right? That you're a sinner. You need to turn from sin, and repentance just means, and you go another way. You no longer sin. Now, we're not perfect, right? But that will be purpose in that, and he'll give us that power, right? Because one of the things that was that he did, he, he came forth, Right, to bring many of us away, turn us from our iniquities. Bring therefore fruits meet for repentance. So it's not just a change of mind. Bring forth fruits meet for a change of mind. Right? It doesn't mean that in that context, right? You have to be doing something different. Bring forth some kind of fruits, right? We think of it now, the fruits of the spirit, the fruits of the flesh, but right, bring forth fruits, do stuff. Nine, and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And that's one thing, even in Malachi, right? well, we have the covenant. We're, we're Abraham's children. We're Israelites. We're the people of God. 
then live like it. Follow God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you know, that's a real good point because you notice he ended off the last words he revealed, and there's a reason for that, that he left us, and then he left us over a 400-year stretch. We revealed nothing. Who, what would come before Jesus Christ? What would prepare the Lord's way? He'd send a prophet preaching, repent of your sins and return unto God. So when he came, these people, many were ready to receive him. They would. They had the preaching of for repentance for repentance from sin came before Christ. You know that's always really important, right? We're not convicted. I know in my own life and that the first thing the Lord sort of worked on me before I believed on Him. I, I believed in God. I, I I believe there was there was something right, and I started reading the Bible. The very first thing I did was I started confessing and turning from my sins. It seems to be a pattern. Let's go on here. <laughs> There's just a pattern there. That's just it, and you don't hear that now. It's made light of. There are churches in this very town, one of them. Come to the Jesus booth. Cross the sin bridge. You know, Jesus already taken care of it. And yes, they mention sin, but in passing. Like, psh, you know, but... There's no preaching. Well, what what is sin? You know, you read from the Bible, right? There, there is nothing about it. It's like sin didn't mean nothing yet. It was because of sin that the that that the father had to crush the son. Yeah, sin is serious. You know, the sacrifice has come, but sin. God still hates sin in His people. Just now, you know, those that are there, we we have that forgiveness, and and we realize that we walk in that. But still, He calls us continually, you know, to walk with him. Uh, okay, verse 10. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Remember, you know, it's not to the tree, but the root of the trees, right? Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is honed down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In verse 12, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. Gather his wheat into the garner, you know, gather, gather his unto himself, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Let's go on. That was Matthew 3. Uh, going to Matthew 17. Matthew 17, starting in verse 10. And I'm just saying, some of these are just back and forth, but it's referring, it's, it's, it, it all, you'll see how it goes on in Malachi. We're talking about John the Baptist and who's Elijah, and just connecting the two to help us to, I'm laying the foundation here, to help us better understand what he's saying, the last words that he said, gave to us before John the Baptist came. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elijah must come first? That's in, if you got the King James, it says Elias. But, you know, Elijah must, come, must first come. 
Verse 11, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elijah has come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed, or whatever they will, whatever they wished, right? Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. There's the first clear, clear one. The scriptures tell us that John the Baptist was the Elijah spoken of who was to come. It just said, yes, he came, right? Just like we understand that. It's a twofold prophecy, yes. And we know before the Lord returns again, we know there'll be the two witnesses that come. Now, what exactly does that mean? Just as he sent the man in, who came in the spirit and power of Elijah, not Elijah himself, there'll be the two witnesses. And I, I do agree with that. I just recommend everyone go back. And Mike did such a good job when he, when he was uh, teaching on that in Revelation 11 about the two witnesses. Who might they be in that? Well, the law and the prophets, Moses and Elijah. But not Moses and Elijah. But like two men that will come. They'll be like that, right? The law and the prophets. They'll be preaching repentance. Repentance from sin. Believe the gospel. Right? And, and you look, the similarities are just striking. You just go there, but it's so good. Just look at his, on, on his, look back in Sermon Audio, Revelation chapter 11, when he, when he taught through those verses. It's so good, but you also look at the similarities of them so much. When you, can, when, you, when you read and we understand about what Moses and Elijah did, you know, God did through them. Well, what do these two witnesses do? They're releasing plagues. They're calling down fire from heaven. <laughs> you know, Moses had the plagues. We know Elijah, the famous part where he, where he, where he I love it in, uh, I want to say 2 Kings, but where he stood down the 450 prophets of Baal, and then he called down fire from heaven. But we, and also it says that they can stop, they can stop rain, right? They can stop all rain on the earth. And it says they do it for, you know, for a course of time. Well, right, Elijah did it for three years. Of course, God did it, right? But Elijah prophesied. And you, you just see the, the parallels, but understanding that it wasn't the actual Elijah, the man, right? Just like, <clears throat> but a man, John the Baptist, came in the spirit, so to speak, of Elijah. He was a man after Elijah's own heart, you could say. Right? God used like he did to Elijah. What was Elijah's big thing? Israel had gone way estranged from God, had gone very far astray. He was sent to point out their sin and call them back unto God. And that's just what John the Baptist is doing. <clears throat> uh, go, let's go now to uh, Mark chapter 1. I'll find it here. Mark chapter 1. We'll just start in one, right? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So here it says, here, here's the beginning of the gospel, right? The, the beginning of the story, you could say, right, of the gospel, right? Verse 2. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And we know Malachi, when he's talking that in 3, you compare it to chapter 4, which you're going to right now, and going back and he's quoting from Isaiah, the original prophecy of that. <clears throat> right? God's prophecies always come to pass because he's in control. Amen. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Well, there we go again, right? The baptism of repentance. And they run unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized to him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. There's that thing, confessing their sins again, right? They felt guilt and shame and they realized they had sinned and they, you know, they, they were looking, they were looking and wanting cleansing from that. Wanting relief from that. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with the girdle of a skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. And preached, saying, 
There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. And unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And then we know Jesus comes and he's baptized, and the Spirit comes down in the form of a dove upon him, and then the Father speaks from heaven. Verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. And so Jesus himself, Jesus and John, right? The preparation for receiving Christ, right, was also repenting of your sins. If there is no guilt, if a person doesn't have guilt over sins, why would they be looking and wanting cleansing and relief and a savior if they don't think they need one they think they're just good old boys or or gals right uh let's go into luke chapter one luke chapter one uh and we're gonna go uh Let's go, we'll start in, in verse 12. And of course, you know, this is when the angel appeared before Zacharias. And when Zacharias saw him, you know, the angel, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall return to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18, and Zacharias said unto the angel, well, okay, we'll, we'll just stop there because we could go on but for sake of time. But we can see that, right, that in the spirit and the power, right, the Lord would go before him, you know, but Elijah would be walked, would be in the spirit and power. John is in the spirit and power of Elijah. But I want to touch on one other thing when we're right here in Luke one seventeen. Quickly go back to Malachi 4. In verse 6, because it, it's made into, I was looking at it, but a lot of commentators, and, okay, verse 6, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with the curse. Okay, I, I, and I hear many people, even, you know, even watch those sermons. And they say, well, you see, he'll reconcile the families. He'll reconcile our fathers to children and children back to their fathers. Is that what this verse says? Well, in referencing this verse in Luke 1, right, verse 17, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. You notice that? He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. Right? That's directly from Malachi 4, 6. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. What he's saying there, right, because we already know the preaching of the gospel, right? Well, it'll set mother against daughter, father against son. <laughs> it'll divide households. It'll divide many households. But what's he saying? <coughs> this is my opinion. I'm not, I'm not going to say, you know, uh, I should say it's my opinion, but I believe it's a very educated opinion. And when we think of what he's saying there, because remember, it would be four, over 400 years before, he, before he'd come back, before he'd send John, and then the Lord would come. But what was this person doing? When John the Baptist, coming in the spirit and power of Elijah, right, was preaching repentance, you know, you've gone away from your God. You know, you're, you're, you're guilty before God, right? They're confessing their sins, and, and they're weeping, and he's telling them to bring forth fruits meet for repentance. What he's saying, he'll turn the fathers to the children of the children of their fathers. 
What fathers has he meant talking about here? I believe the fathers he's talking about are the fathers that he's mentioned throughout the book of Malachi. He could refer to other fathers too, you know, uh, you know, Jacob and the such, but I mean, he, well, Jacob, he does, he refers to Jacob and he referred to Levi, right? He, in referring to others, think of that, he's telling them as your fathers, right? Your fathers that walked before me, walked in fear before me, and walked in reverence before me, and walked in righteousness before me, right? They were with me. You are estranged from me, the disobedient children. But many will have their hearts turned back to God, just like these men's hearts, their fathers, their forefathers were for God. And he'll turn them back, because that was in preparation Right, getting it, getting the the way ready for the Lord to appear, Lord to appear that He would He would turn Him back, and we'll we'll get back and we'll talk to the more Lord willing. We had time about uh, the curse, the curse. But I just want to go on where uh, where it it clearly showed that. But uh, where's I to make it ready? A people prepared for the Lord. So. Let's go on. Uh, one other place, in one other place, I want to look where it talks about this is Luke chapter three. And we'll start in verse three. You know, speaking about John the Baptist, and he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers. There's that mean language again, right? But, you know, he's speaking to, at that time, right, uh, an unrepentant people. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. You know, again, as I mentioned before, he's not saying, Well, you sit you sit you're sitting on your traditions. You're saying, Oh, you know, our, our fathers were Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He says, That doesn't matter. Follow me. You're mine when you follow me. If you're mine, follow me. <clears throat> and now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. <laughs> so we just see that to prepare the way of the Lord, right? He's, John the Baptist came preaching against sin. And the people were being baptized for the remission of sins, right? They were confessing their sins. And they were wanting that cleansing, right? And now what do you get the gospel that now, that now pretty much permeates everywhere? Sin is made light of. It doesn't matter. Righteousness is made light of. Holiness is made light of, right? It just confess Jesus. Confess Jesus. People in the Old Testament, those people, the first thing that said, they confessed God. You know, at that time, before they're coming to Jesus, right, they, they said, we're gods, we're God's people, we're Israelites, we're, we're, we're children of the covenant. <laughs> no, you're not. Your heart is not after me. Your heart is not for me. Therefore, you're not a child of the covenant. Right? Repent and bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. And we know it's, it's the Holy Spirit and it's the grace of God, but still the same thing holds true. Right? If there's no preaching against sin about sin, if a person doesn't feel convicted or believe they're a sinner and feel, you know, guilt and remorse over that sin, then why do you really think they're, they're looking upon Jesus as a Savior? You hear about it? the thing, one of the ones that gets me the worst is you've tried everything else. You've tried drugs. You've tried booze. You've tried gambling. You've tried many, you know, women or men. You've tried many relationships. Give Jesus a try. You know, like he's you know, like it's a shirt you can take on and off. It just shows just a lack 
a lack, a total irreverence overall for God and his ways and who Jesus really is. You know, just like, all right, I can live however I want and I can, I can get in there. I'm, I'm safe. I'm safe. And he says, no, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Right? He'll gather his own on that day. That's what he's saying. But those that are still unbelieving, the immoral, the ungodly, the wicked, will be burned up with unquenchable fire. And, and we just, we know that from, we know that especially from Revelation. Throughout the Old Testament, the final, more complete revelation in Revelation. Go ahead, Dean. Third John, yeah. reason I, I went so much, I, I hope you all see it, that I want to lay that down on that, is it, what was he saying? He was saying, he was saying so many things, but the last thing he left us is the same thing the last thing he leaves us in Revelation. Right? <laughs> Repent. Well, what's the letter to the churches all about? He commends them and he reproves them. You return unto this, stop doing this, continue doing that. Right? Repent, I'm coming with you, my reward is before me. You know, it, you know, calling us to perseverance. And, and we know, yes, we always talk with a balance in that, but the thing about it, remember, you look at all those things in one way or another. It it was legalist, it, it, it was sin, it was it was allowing sin, it was allowing sin in his in you know w- within the body to go along. It all those things, right? God is saying, stop sinning. You know, I mean, we'll never be perfect, right? But this idea, this idea that the Lord just winks at sin is preposterous. You know, again, it, he, 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 he crushed his son because of our sin. So he hated the sin. Does he think sin now is no big deal? Our sin just matters to those people that don't profess Christ. How much worse is it when you see a person who doesn't profess Christ Live more outwardly righteous than a person who does. No wonder the name of Christ gets mocked. But, you know, and it, we understand that it's not our works that save us. But first of all, the, the, you know, the bad news, right, but the sin. The person realizes they're a sinner. And then they're ready for the, Lord, for the Lord to reveal himself to them, right? And then once they've come on that, right, then he empowers us, right, and we stay in his graces and that but to live in righteousness. Romans 12, 1, right? Because of everything he's done for us, because he has saved us, and everything that goes along with that, therefore we live righteously before him. All of our days, we endeavor to do so. Not that we are perfect, but that's just like the Old Testament saints, right? We know there's never been one that's been perfect in the sense of where we think perfection, we're finite, right? We're flesh until that ultimate glorification. But they had their minds set on him. Their hearts were after God. Their hearts were after God, just like he, just like when we examine ourselves, our heart, our, our hearts after him. 
But I bring that out because, hey, remember, you know, again, I could just highly recommend Mike's uh, just go look at, you know, I thank, thank the Lord so much for technology and that, but when, he, when Mike went over Revelation 11, he touched on that so much. When he, you know, when he leading up to his return the second time, and I, I do think that time's getting close. Maybe it'll be another 20, 30, 40, or maybe it'll be 100. But it doesn't seem like it, boy, because the big fight going on now is actually uh, the, that one world government thing has never been as close right now, and we can see it before our face. But regardless, what does he do? The two witnesses come. And I agree with that. There are two men, and they'll be like, like John was in the spirit of Elijah. Again, one of them will be in the spirit of Elijah, the other one in the spirit of Moses, because of the law and the prophets. Go to Luke chapter 16. And this is that idea when we're out witnessing, we have a chance to share the gospel. We got to remember to share it the way the Lord's given us a blueprint to share it. Not as these people who say, hey, God wants the best for your life. You, you want to say this prayer after me? What's that? Or Jesus loves you. He wants the best for you. So say this prayer after me. What's that? That's no conviction. You know, that's no repenting of sins. That's nothing. That's just saying something. And you, right, you, there's been no understanding, no explanation, no preaching against sin, no preaching of who Jesus is. So how can they be asking Jesus in their heart in that when they don't even know who he is? They're told who he is repeated after me, but they have no, under, no understanding whatsoever of what that is. And the Lord reveals himself to you. Right, you, you, you'll understand. But Luke chapter 16. <clears throat> Remember, we know this is, this is a story of the rich man and Lazarus. And, you know, the, this rich man finds out, right? I mean, he, he's in hell. He realizes he's separated, right? He's in torment. So verse 27. Then he said, right, the, the rich man, the, the sinner, the ungodly man, <clears throat> I pray thee therefore, Father, you know, Father Abraham, that thou would ascend into my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. I'll go to this. I really believe because I, I agree with uh, Mike from Revelation 11 and that, but remember at the end of Malachi, first thing he said, verse 4, I mean, verse, yeah, verse 4 of chapter 4, remember ye Moses. Remember the law of Moses with my statutes and my judgments, my commandments, my statutes, my judgments. And then he says, I'll send you Elijah also. Right, John the Baptist. So you have a man coming. You have, you have people saying, okay, well, here. Oh, come on, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Verse 30, and he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one of them from the dead, they'll repent. Remember, like you got these, some people saying in that, well, hey, the resurrection was cool. That's all we have to preach. That's, that's it. Well, no, it's not. Not according to what this says. Go tell them Jesus rose from the dead. What does that mean, taken, taken apart in and of by, by itself? Verse 31, and he said unto him, if they hear not, in other words, if they receive not, believe not, Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, convinced, believe, though one rose from the dead. So, going back to Malachi chapter 4, and we know he's talking about, you know, it's a dual prophecy, just like John the Baptist was a forerunner before, you know, our Lord, the Son of God, came to earth as a man, the God-man. Now he's laid down his life, he's paid the final sacrifice, it is finished. All who believe on him are forgiven their sins, you know, declared righteous, given, given righteousness, right? And promised eternal life. But before he turns the second time, he's going to once again, just according to Revelation, the, 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 the last revelation and teaching about it, right? His two witnesses, which I agree with Mike, 
right? There's a lot of, so many crazy things out there about that. But just as John the Baptist is really a man, right, and not Elijah himself, but that these two witnesses will really be men. They'll be believers. They'll be supernaturally gifted by God, just as Elijah was, <laughs> spirit and power of Elijah, just as Moses would, was. He didn't get that water to come out of that rock by his own power, I'll guarantee you that. But what do we see of that? They can bring the plagues. They can call down fire from heaven. These things Moses and Elijah did. And when he's saying that they will not hear the law and the prophets, well, what is he saying at the end of chapter 4? Verse 4, remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, Malachi 4, 4, which I commanded him. So he just, he's like reiterating, and I love that. If, I don't know about you, but I, it just really strikes me deep at the times in the Bible when we know all of it's authored by the Holy Spirit, but when God speaks of himself in the first person. All right, those, those are kind of rare. But I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. So he's talking the law. This is the law. And then, behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and dreadful day of the Lord. What did Elijah do? Just as he was used as preaching about, the, you could call him the reformer in Israel, trying to call people back, pointing out how far they'd gone from God and calling him back to God. This other man, Elijah, remember the law. You know that, you know, the law that you, how far you have fallen from it and come back to him, repent and come back. And that's what actually the gospel is. It's not just, yes, it is, yes, God died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. All who believe on him from the heart, truly believe on him and, and trust in him for salvation are promised eternal life and are baptized in the Holy Spirit. But when you see the pattern, right, the preaching, pointing out their sin to them, they realize their sin, they confess their sins, they, they were convicted of their sin. How many of these people going around now, now maybe they aren't thinking differently, I think it is different for those that are blessed and the Lord chose that as a young child, you came to the Lord and you had godly parents and godly upbringing, but I'll tell you, speaking of me, me and you know, Mike's spoken a lot of it, and me too, any of you have heard my testimony before. Those of us that came to the Lord after, let's just say, right, it, being men, growing up, you know, uh, walking through a lot of things, being very sinful, right? Before the Lord ever revealed himself to me, he started working on my sin. And he did that as I started to read the word of God. And I was repenting. And I believe that preaching against sin, right, pointing out the law, right, pointing out so people realize they are guilty, what they're guilty of, that they are estranged from God. And, you know, this is, this is where, you don't have to point out every specific, of course, but that was it, right? And these people were confessing their sins, right? He was baptizing for the remission of sins when I'm sure he sensed that they were truly, you know, penitent. That, you know, they, you, you could just tell, right, where's realism, realism of it. So let's just remember, as we walk, right, he called us to righteousness. You know, he, he's calling his people to righteousness, right? We know to examine ourselves, you know, are we walking in the fear, the reverence of God, right? Are we endeavoring, endeavoring to trust him to help us walk righteously before him because we're saved and born again and all he's done for us? But when we speak of the Lord and we speak of the gospel to a lost person, right? Let us beware not to give him the easy believism gospel. You know, hey, he loves you and has a good plan for you. No, you're sin, you're an enemy of God, you're under condemnation on that. You know, trust in God, repent of your sins, right? And come to the Savior. Come back to God. Right, come back to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Does anyone have any last comments or observations? Mike.
Yeah. Yeah. I just want to mention one thing where some people will say, and, you know, like, uh, there's it, one thing people will say, oh, you know, the Bible contradicts itself. I just want to make one mention on that, and then we're done. John chapter 1, verse 21. The Pharisees confront, they're asking John the Baptist if he's Elijah. And he says, I am not. Now, some people will say, well, see, there contradicts it because we saw before in that. Well, Jesus said he is. What he was just saying is they literally were expecting the literal Elijah to rise from the dead, you know, come down because actually he was taken up into heaven. He's one of the few in Scripture, right? He was, he was no more. But to the literal Elijah to return. And he was just telling the truth. No, I'm not Elijah. Right? I'm not Elijah. I'm the man. And then he quotes scripture to him, right? Voice of one crying in the wilderness. So when people say that to you, just be aware, right? They're, they're just, they're just uh, you know, who is it that tries to be all crafty? <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, and it's it just truly amazing. It just goes to show, I'm going to say, okay, very last thing, and then I'm all done. Uh, Dean touched on it earlier in that, but it takes a work of the Holy Spirit to come upon us, to soften our heart, to open our eyes and our ears, right? And he says the Lord does it all for us to come to faith and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because even the Scriptures themselves are only open Right, you must be spiritually discerned. So the Holy Spirit must come upon you before you'll know who Christ is. And you know the truths about Scripture. An unbeliever can know the scriptures. It just will do them no good. Okay, with that, let's close on a word of prayer.